We're going to be South Side regardless. Chicago, come to the South Side. Like the fantasy island. With your South Siders, Shane Reardon and Gabe Ramirez. We're excited. It's going to be a good time. Go White Side. South Siders, episode three. Myself, Shane Reardon, Gabe Ramirez. I'm at Shane underscore Reardon. Gabe is at Chicago underscore Gabe. You can find us on all social media platforms at Southsiders670. And if you want to email the show and provide us with some content, you can email us at Southsiders670 at gmail.com. It's a twice-weekly podcast by White Sox fans for White Sox fans about a team that is incredibly frustrating and does not seem to be letting up at any point whatsoever. Gabe got Lance Lynn back last night, um, which is a great thing because immediately – he shows you that he's tired of the bullshit happening in White Sox dugouts and with White Sox culture. He and third base coach um, Joe McEwing, Super Joe McEwing, get into it last night after Lance Lynn, it looks like, was angry about a defensive alignment on a single in the, the second inning or the third inning or whatever. What did you take from that situation? Because I absolutely loved Lance Lynn coming back and providing that fire immediately. Definitely. It, it was definitely welcoming to see something like that, just to see somebody care. I know you've been complaining a bit about guys like Moncada. And, you know, I've been saying that about some of the guys with like, uh, whether they got their money and, and they're a little more chill now, but, but when Lance Lynn comes in, he's a gamer. And that's what you expected when you brought him to this team and to see him, you know, well, what, what he said was the, the argument about ribeye and filet mignon, which was better, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, but yeah, but we funny. know, yeah, but we know the truth. Lance Lynn's an old school kind of kind of player, right? Like a bulldog type who's like, hey, man, put your guys where put, I've been pitching my whole life and guys have been in these positions my whole life. So I know how to get the ball into these places. And when you make when you do a shift like that, I mean, I get it. But what's the alternative, right? That, you know, when, when the shift is on and it works, I don't know. I, I, I never even got your take on, on shifts and obviously the big change coming next year. Shane, like, do you hate it? Do you love it? Do you, like, what do you think? I mean, Are you a baseball purist in that sense? Well, I, I'm for offense, right? I, I, I love pitching, but I'm for offense because offense brings, brings people into the game and offense keeps people around and scoring runs is more exciting than a, a pitcher's duel, in my opinion. I do love to watch a pitcher work, but more runs means more excitement, means more action. If you – it's tough, man. Because, it's tough. It's tough, it's tough, dude. I, I, I am for the change next year in you can move your guys wherever you want on each side of the field. Like the third baseman and the shortstop can move wherever they want up until second base. The first baseman mm-hmm. and the second baseman can move wherever they want up until second base. I am for that because I'm for offense, but it does feel like, man, in every other sport, your guys can go wherever the hell they want. If you in hockey, if you want to move your goalie past the blue line, go ahead and move your goalie past the blue line. Yeah. In basketball, if you want your center to chill out at the top of the key or on the wing, your center could chill out at the top of the key on the wing. It feels a little dictatorshipy, but baseball is in this 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 horrible horrible. I want runs. <laughs> I don't want to limit defenders but yeah. I want runs and I know you can't have both. So I am for the banning of the extreme shift um, just because I want to see the ball and play more often as am I is moving it, getting in the hole. Then, then you're going to, you're going to score more runs. I am more concerned right now about Tony's roundabout way of trying to not necessarily blame Lance Lynn for the blow up with Joe McEwing, <laughs> but also try to say like, Oh, he's just a gamer. So, 
Like he doesn't, he knows he made a bad pitch. Pitch. It was his first start back, 10 runs, or t- 10 hits, three earned runs. He looked awesome after the second inning in a game where you knew he had to get into the fourth or fifth because the bullpen has been so taxed with a couple extra inning games and Kopech leaving in the first yesterday, which it also seems like he's going to be fine. Let's update people on that. He's got some fluid drain from his knee last night, and it looks like he'll be fine, and I bet he'll even start on Sunday. I am more concerned at Tony's roundabout way of trying not to blame either because you you didn't have to blame anybody and you could have still been honest about the situation. I understand wanting to somewhat keep it in house and let your guys handle it, but you work in the public. And when an incident like that happens on the public stage in front of a television camera, you owe your fan base and the public some kind of kind of explanation the way Lance Lynn handled it. Great. That's funny. Let it roll off the tongue with a little bit of humor. The way Tony LaRusa handled it and, uh, yeah, it just he made a bad pitch, and you know he's a he's a gamer, and he's mad at himself for making a bad pitch, and you can't be taking that out on the third base coach. What's he got to do with you not making the right pitch? Yeah, it's loyalty in the wrong way, and I'm more concerned about that than I am about anything else. But more than anything, the White Sox got what they needed back last night in Lanslin because yeah. they're scoring runs, Gabe. What, nine runs, Finally. eight runs, five runs, nine runs, four games in a row. And even though they lost three of those games of those four or three of the three of the five where they're scoring above six runs. Yeah. It feels good to have the bats awake a little bit. Um, and it feels like uh, we talk about turning points. It feels like a little bit of a turning point. Now just see, do what you have to do against the Tigers, sweep the Tigers and move on from there. Yeah. I look, uh, going back to Lance Lynn, I mean, you love what he did yesterday, but we got to be realists also. We're not expecting Lance Lynn to give us seven innings, you know, hold the team to two runs. I am. I'm not because that's not what you're going to get. Like Lance in, Lynn is not that in dude. general or last night, just in general. No, no in general, that's not what you're oh, going to no. get. That's not what you're going to get from Lance Lynn. Like so, so that's what I'm expecting. So, so for me, when I see him do what he did yesterday, I'm like, okay, sure, I would have liked six innings, you know, instead of the, the four and a third. I, I would have loved that, but you know, ten hits, dude. I mean, I know it's your first game back. I get it. I get it. But 10 hits, like that's what you expect from Lance Lane. You expect them to give us some hits. You expect them to get guys on base and get themselves out, get himself out of jams. But he's not our ace. He's not our number two. He's our number three, four, five guy. And and, and but but Lance Lynn is a phenomenal three, four, five guy, right? And 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 then going back to what you said about you know Tony DeRusa, yeah, I didn't I didn't like that either. You know, he was like, you know, if there's anyone that can take criticism or if there's anyone that can, you know, be held, hold themselves accountable, it's Lance Lynn. It's like yeah, but 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 you're right. If if it was supposed to be something that's supposed to be in-house, that's when it happens, you know, in that in the tunnel when no one can see it and 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 the people start gossiping about what happened. But when it happens like that on damn TV and everybody can see that you guys are it's like I felt like it was a bully picking on a on a, on a little kid, you know, like Lance Lynn is big yeah. monster and Joe McEwing's like, what he's like, what's up? What? Like what, what do you want me to do? So I felt bad in that sense. Uh, but it's good to have him back. It's good to have another arm in the rotation. Hopefully we can get everybody back, well, including Kopech on Sunday. Uh, but but the team and the scoring the runs, dude, doesn't it feel good to see some people get a walk? Like Mankata yesterday, I mean, like it, it felt great to see some people get on base without having to struggle and get themselves a hit. So it felt good to see Mankata take that walk because you know when when Yon Mankata starts taking walks, he's understanding the strike zone a little bit more and he's getting a little bit more comfortable. It felt good to see him make contact and get that base hit. What didn't feel good is the two strikeouts in those at bats that that he looked completely overmatched. That one in the was either the sixth or the seventh where he reached for a ball uh, on the the right side of the uh, of the zone and just kind of threw his arms at it 
and, and made no competitive um, effort whatsoever to make contact with that ball. That's the Yuan Moncada that frustrates me. So yeah. the walk is great. The base hits great. Understanding the stri strike zone. But there were two strikeouts last night where I, I don't want to keep saying like gave up, but it looks like he gives up on the at-bat a little bit. Yeah. And then he like saunters away back to the dugout like like his mom just told him that hey we sent your your dog away to summer camp you know it's <laughs> right it's it's that kind of shit but you hope that like he sees you know it, jose abreu is a role model for your Moncada. he wouldn't still be here if, if that wasn't the case you hope that he sees abreu pick it up yeah and that that homer to center field last night 444 Jeez. feet the bomb the strength of that man is just it's it's unbelievable and it was the on the other side of the plate it wasn't, it wasn't even like in where he could yeah. turn on it. It was out. So that was just nothing but muscle. And, and, and it was interesting to see him at that home run and say to yourself as a Sox fan, like, damn, we got to put some blame on Abreu too. Like he hasn't been hitting the long ball. This is something that we've been accustomed to over the last couple of years. We were like, where is your offensive person going to come from? Well, T.A. is going to get on or, or Mankata or Robert. And then Jose Abreu is going to do his thing. And you just haven't seen a lot of that this year. So it felt good to just – because it, it felt normal yesterday, right? A couple home runs – some timely hitting. Like, I was like, ah, this is what our team is supposed to be like. But we still got to give them shit, though, Shane. 14 people left on base is a shit ton of people. You know what I mean? When you're talking about throughout the course of a game, and that comes from all the strikeouts. Bro, 10 strikeouts is a lot. Like, 10 strikeouts in a game, 14 people left on base. If you would have showed me those stats at the end of the game, I, I probably would have told you we would have lost. But yeah. to put up nine runs still, it just it says a lot about this team. They're, they're, they're a grinding-type team. And I felt shitty because, dude, yesterday I was on BetQL daily joe o and all those guys and they start asking me about the white Sox, and you know i've been trying to be more matter of fact lately not trying to you know be on play devil's advocate i'm trying to be serious so i so i, I took a moment and i was like you know what in the present it's just an awful reality to face this is a bad team in the present and then what do they do they turn it into a meme and they put it all over social media <laughs> i felt like an idiot because then we come out with this another offensive output of nine runs it just it took my soul away but that's that's what you got to do sometimes you got to say that stuff about your team because you, you you expect more from them like don't you like like you said we want they should have swept the, the rangers the fact that we didn't yeah. sweep the rangers there's like crazy and the fact that there's just more drama that comes up it's like every single series there's some sort of drama that is where, where tony larus is at the center and it just makes you kind of like hate the team a little bit more well, when the things that are supposed to go right are not going right, it puts this hyper focus on everything else. So when you weren't scoring runs prior to the Rangers series and you're not winning games, but the pitching is going okay, you're looking for someone to blame. And there's always going to be two different camps. There's going to be the blame the players camp. There's going to be the blame the manager camp. And when you have this this figure, this this figure that somebody puts so much focus on in Tony La Russa because we're doing it as a fan base because we understand, like we talked about from the beginning, we understand that this team was not, from the day that Tony La Russa was hired, was not put in the best position to succeed. When everything else isn't going right, you're looking for something to blame. And Tony La Russa is, a lot of people think, somebody that that should be blamed but in all reality it goes comes down to the execution of the baseball players see, see Shane, though, long... that, that, that's why i feel like they and that's what that's my biggest argument as to why i feel like tony lewis should be fired it has nothing to do i mean whatever if coaches make mistakes whatever whatever but it's about who we're placing the blame on and i think where the the, the players they feel it but they don't feel it enough you know because they, they got tony's always in the news but if he's gone right 
then you get the you get the pressure back on the players and then it, it makes them or it should make them perform at a higher level because now there's no one else to blame. Now you're not gonna be pointing a finger at the you know the interim coach in that moment. You're gonna be pointing your finger. So there's gonna be more noise about Yohan Moncada. There's gonna be more noise about Yasmani Grandal's on base percentage. So that to me, that's my biggest argument as to why I feel like they should just give him the hook. Like even still, like I know people, you know, they, they felt like he should have been gone after the Rangers series, but it's like how much how much worse can it get? And you need your team to play better. You need them to get a spark somehow. And that spark for me comes in the form of firing Tony Larissa. If you like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe to the Southsider 670 podcast feed wherever you get your podcast. Before we get into Tony LaRusso's future and what happened this weekend on the South Side against the Rangers, remember to subscribe to Southsider 670 wherever you listen to podcasts. Gabe, I was at the game on Saturday. I know I said in the last episode I have absolutely no desire to go watch this baseball team and to use my season tickets. I, I honestly have 50 got, burgers okay. to make. You needed to make the 50 and, burgers. And dude, we did more. We did. We ended up doing like 115 burgers, and I ran out of food. Um, so that was fun. We did a, a tailgate in Lock B. That's the fun part. Like the social aspect of going to watch the White Sox is the fun part for me. We got there at like 9:30 in Lock B for a 110 start. Got the Blackstone oh, yeah. fired up. Got the grilled duck-fed onions going. Just handing food out, having a great time. And then you remember shit. Now I have to go watch them play baseball. <laughs> right. What the fuck, man. I was why, having a great why time. Am I, <laughs> why am I doing my, this to myself? And they explode for five runs in the first couple innings. Offense looks awesome. They explode. They look great. And then it starts to fall apart. Everything starts to fall apart in around the seventh inning. Clear as day on the TV broadcast, on the radio broadcast, fire Tony. The fire Tony chance start. And this is what we talked about in the last episode, that what would it take for Tony La Russa to actually be fired by the White Sox? And that is the national embarrassment aspect. It's not national yet in terms of like it happening on a Sunday night baseball episode or not episode, a Sunday night baseball game. But Jerry Reinsdorf will not fire his friend unless it feels like he's embarrassed. And when that starts to get to the national stage and people around the country are laughing at the White Sox and it makes Jerry not want to come into work as much as it would if they were playing well, that's when you start to worry about Tony LaRusso's future. So I think the fire Tony chance on Saturday against the Rangers were likely the first step into a Tony LaRusso firing actually materializing. So good for you, White Sox fans. Good for you for doing it. What's the next step? Yeah. I mean, it, it led to Nagy's firing or it was part of it, right? Inside of Soldier Field when they were saying fire Nagy week in and week out. It puts pressure on the organization, your fan base, who's technically paying the bills. They're not happy with the product on the field. And there's two ways to show that. You can not show up to the game or you can show up to the game and voice your, <laughs> voice your opinion in the form of, of saying that the manager should be fired. And you're right, dude. I mean, geez, it's, it, it, again, we talk about, you know, accountability right we talk about we just talked about Lance Lynn and Joe McEwen just owning up to what happened because everybody saw it and I think when it comes to the hiring of Tony La Russa it was just a mistake I think it's as simple as that not everyone's perfect perfect human error exists and sometimes your emotions get the best of you and, and I think all of us I almost feel bad for Reinsdorf right where he felt no, like nobody you stop right there. no I nobody do has ever said I feel bad for Jerry Reinsdorf I Jesus feel bad for Christ, him dude. he wanted he, he in, in his mind he thought he was doing the right thing it's like bro but you're not you weren't you made some really poor executive decisions over the last decade or so you know even with Gar Pax right I mean 
that whole thing was a debacle for friggin' a decade over there at the United Center. So, I mean, he, you know, again, I, I look at this and I say to myself, all right, Tom, somebody needs to just, I wish, I wish Jerry had a friend that I could just put his arm around him. You know, Shane, if you were fucking up, I put my arm around you. But like, like if we were drinking, we were trashing, like you were doing something, I'd be like, yo, Shane, let me holler at you, bro. Hey, listen, <laughs> let's, let's, let's not do that. Let's not do it, right? Have my okay. arm right here. You know, and somebody yeah. needs to do that to Jerry Reinsdorf. Like, hey, Papa, listen, woo, this ain't it. <laughs> this ain't yeah, it. I, I, don't, I don't know if that would do anything. I think the man is so proud and has so much, has such an ego I was watching the game last night with somebody who doesn't watch baseball, right? Okay. I had the opportunity to explain to this person the process of how we got here with Tony La Russa. Because we're watching post-game, and she's like, who is that? Like, it's Tony La Russa sitting with, literally, with his pants unbuttoned. He had his pants unbuttoned, which is fine. Like, you're an old guy, you could relax and whatever. Right. It's like the Jim Leland used to smoke cigarettes in his underwear during post-game all the time, right? But he's sitting there all relaxed with his pants unbuttoned, just stumbling through postgame. You can't understand a word he's saying. And she's like, he seems to be like a, a different and a lot older than the other than the other ones, meaning like the other baseball managers. And I was like, yeah, well, here's the thing. So in 1976, Gary <laughs> Reinsdorf, the owner of the White Sox, fired, didn't fire Tony La Russa. But, oh, it's, okay, so this is even more insane. I had to explain to her that the general manager of the team that year, the year before, was the television play-by-play -play guy. Becomes general manager, fires Tony La Russa over the phone, over payphone, and Jerry Reinsdorf let him walk away to go find success with the Oakland Athletics to win multiple World Series with the St. Louis Cardinals, and then Tony retired, right? Because he was already old. He was in his mid-60s, his early 60s. He retired, walked away for a few years. Then for 11 years, he was a special assistant to the general manager in Arizona and was up in a skybox away from the game. Tony, Jerry Reinsdorf then felt so much remorse mm. that his friend was fired in 1976. He's been out of baseball for 15 fucking years. He needs to bring him back. <laughs> So that's why you see a 77-year-old man sitting with his pants unbuttoned trying to explain what happened between a third base coach and the starting pitcher complaining about defensive shifting. That put so much into perspective for me last yeah. night. Having to explain the process of Tony La Russa once again for the second time arriving on the south side of Chicago to coach the White Sox put so much into perspective for me last night. And it's incredibly frustrating. And I'm never going to be over it. Ever. I'm never going to get over this. Never. And it's Never sure, explaining, explaining it, explaining it for the third time on our podcast must have been frustrating as well because <laughs> you have to re relive the whole thing. Let me ask you this, Shane, because because I think a big question, right? Like, I would love to know the real answer of how much Tony La Russa actually cares about, you know, this Sox team and this season. He's not like I can't imagine he's that emotionally invested in the team i mean i'm sure he is right obviously he's the coach he wants to win but how much like how passionate are you what's that level at what, what where do you think that is for tony if you were to just honestly assess that if i'm if i try to remove recency bias and how frustrated i am with him lately yeah even if i were to go back to day one let's go back to the introductory presser when tony is dealing with the backlash of us finding out pre pre-hire about the dui right or it, that, it was actually a couple weeks after the introductory press conference, but 
Tony didn't even look enthused to be there then sitting in his Arizona home with like his baseball memorabilia <laughs> right. behind him on a zoom call. He didn't even look enthused to be there. Then it's almost like he was bored looking for work. And I- I'm almost even starting to think that Jerry asked him to do it. And he almost did it as a favor. Mm, I know I love that. I, I know a portion of it is Jerry's remorse and the, the unrightful firing in 1976. But I almost think that Jerry asked him to do it as a favor. And that's kind of where I am lately. And it's a three-year deal. And like Jerry is loyal, Tony's also loyal. And he doesn't want to back out on a contract that a friend gave him. I I 100% can see that. Yeah. I I don't think – it's it's not news saying this, but I don't think he's incredibly – uh, emotionally motivated to be there. No, it doesn't seem like it at least. Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I didn't think about that where Reinsdorf probably had to beg him and was like, no, dude, trust me. This is a good idea. You should do this. And he's like, dude, I'm chilling. I'm 77. I'm drinking. I probably got some side chicks. I'm just doing my things. Like, I don't want to go back to baseball on the grind. And he's like, no, nah, dude, this team is prime. We're about to win a World Series. You ain't got to do much. You ain't got to do nothing. Just, just chill. You'll be better than our last guy. And then all of a sudden, Tony, he gave him an extra million in cash on the side. That's what happened there. It was a couple of million cash. But I think in terms of like the percentage of what he cares, it's got to be low. If you were to do it like a out of 100% and 100% just carrying at the maximum, how much does Tony Lewis care? I'd probably, I'm somewhere in the 60s. I'm in the 40s. Like, oh, that low. Wow. I'm in the 40s. Yeah, I'm in the 40s he, for sure. He don't give a fuck. <laughs> he don't care about nothing. The 40s. 40s, you're collecting a check. You're just showing up to yeah. work to collect the check. Okay. okay. Yeah. Damn. You, you know what? You you just saying that right now and Jerry saying to Tony, hey, all you really got to do is show up. This team is in its prime competitive window. We have phenomenal athletes. That is just so fucking true. All <laughs> right. anybody had to do was show up and show not up. be a distraction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to show up and be minimal distraction and just make sure guys know where they're supposed to be and to be yeah. that listening ear, to be that shoulder to lean on if you, if a, a young player needs to. Especially, see, Tony had some things going for him. He's bilingual, speaks, speaks Spanish very well, relates to sp- Spanish players very well. He had that going for him in a team that's predominantly Hispanic and Cuban and Venezuelan and Dominican. He had all that going for him, and he decided to just kick it in the dick. <laughs> he kicked his competitive advantage in the dick and with that did it to the White Sox. Yeah. And it's funny because then you think about it, like as we're as we're playing this out, and then all of a sudden injuries happen, people start asking questions. He's like, What the fuck? I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. I, I didn't I didn't want to make decisions. I didn't want to. And then they're like, All right, all right, I gotta make decisions. You know what? Trey Turner, one and two count. I think we should walk this guy. <laughs> and then everybody's like, no, no. Kevin Hart voice. No, don't make decisions. No. <laughs> I stopped thinking about there. the Trey Turner thing. Oh, sorry. I hate I stopped that, thinking but... about that. Yeah. That one's, that one's so now I'm going to have a shitty day. <laughs> hey welcome welcome to Sox fandom that's just every day as it is right now dude all right who's up, who's on the mound today here let's 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 try to let's try to brighten things up let's talk about game two a little bit and and, and your thoughts and because who's pitching today Dylan Cease is pitching today see that look at that White Sox are a heavy favorite today as they should be and I just want to see Cease come back and look as, as good as he did last time and throw the fastball a little bit more we talked about uh, the lack of his fastball usage in the last outing. I think he's, he threw it 32% of the time. 
And with a fastball like his, with as much bite, tail, and movement that it has, I want to see him mix in the fastball a little bit more often today. But the knuckle curve looked good. The changeup looked good. The slider looked good last time. So capitalize off of that strong outing and just go out there and put up another eight, nine runs like you did last night and just bury the Tigers. You just do what you're supposed to do. The White Sox have so many games coming up against divisional opponents. Like this is the time to go ahead and kickstart it, set a fire, and make your comeback. You You're need, what two games under 500? Are they 29 or 31 right now? I think it's 28 and 31. Yeah. With all these games coming up against divisional opponents, and you've got Houston coming up at home for four, get into a groove, go out there and bury the Tigers. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously the guy they're going up against today, Drew Hutchinson, and he's like their reliever, hasn't pitched more than three innings all year. And he's only been three games, though. He's appeared in, looks like about 11 or 12 games. He's only given up runs in three of those. So that's some pretty decent pitching right there. Uh, but but again, if you're going to be able to get into their bullpen early, it's not like that's what Detroit's known for. So you should be able to do that. I just hope that they can build some momentum, right? It's like believability, Shane, where Jose Abreu's like, oh, yeah, I do hit the long ball. You know, Amakata's like, wait, Papa, I can slap it for a base hit. I don't need to swing for power. I don't know if that's what he's trying to do lately. He's trying to do, you know, get just. Yeah, I don't think he knows what he's trying to do. He's completely well, lost. The he needs to, he needs to like, Go against like remember when Abreu was in that window where like he didn't even care if he had a home run. It was like I'll slap singles and doubles all day long and I'll do it with ease. Like and then everyone loved. That's when people really fell in love with Jose Abreu because they realized he wasn't just a power hitter. Like I think Moncada needs to get back to that. That's what Tim, Tim Ta did when he won the batting uh, title. That's what he's been doing for the last two years, three years. And I feel like Moncada needs to get to that place. Like you know what, bat on ball. Put it in the gap. Like, not, don't try to do too much with it. But look at me. I, I, why am I on a Moncada? I just, I'm, I'm, I feel like he's the guy. He's, he is the, the splinter in my thumb. Shane is the yeah. Moncada. He, like, yeah. I, I really want, I really want him to be playing well. I can care less about Abreu. I know he's gonna come around. I know Yosemite. You know, he's dealing with some, some stuff or whatever. He's gonna come around. But it's like Moncada is like, no, bro. You're young. You were a valuable piece that came over with Chris Sale. Like, you, you should be performing for us at a high level year in and year out. And we shouldn't be having to deal with this bullshit right now. You know what I'm saying? So, to me, that's like where he's 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 right here. Right here in my little thumb. And I'm trying to get his ass out there so he can play well. And it, it's not like – I don't know if you remember when you were a kid. There are two types of slim, uh, splinters. There are splinters that you needed to bring your thumb over to your dad or your mom and say, hey, you got to get the tweezers or you got to get the needle-nose pliers. And then yeah. there was the other kind of splinter – where you could walk off into the corner, find that roll of duct tape, roll off a piece, piece of duct tape, <laughs> put the duct tape on your thumb, and pull the splinter out because it was just on the surface. Sure. There are two types of splinters. Yuan Mankata is a needle-nose fucking splinter right yeah. now. You need to dig that needle-nose pliers into your finger and pull out that splinter and rid yourself of it. And I want to rid hurt. myself. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's it's going to hurt. It's, it's hurt. a constant nagging pain right now. It's a splinter that's been stuck in your hand for three weeks, and you can't find the pliers. You can't get it out. I want to rid myself of that version of Yuan Moncada because it is frustrating as shit. Oh. You know who else I'm, I'm frustrated with lately, too? I was excited to see Tanner Banks back. I liked him in the beginning of the year. Who the I, fuck has ever said I was excited to see me, Tanner Banks back? Me. Jesus Christ. He's dude. been playing. He pitched well in the beginning of the season. Yeah. And with Ben Souza friggin' shit in the bed for the last yeah. couple. I mean, get him in. You know, you, so you see a guy like Tanner Banks. And you love, you know, you love the lefty. You love it coming. Like I said, he's a guy where he's a gamer. He's like, put me in, coach. I want to play. I want to be in these situations. And he pitched well the last couple of times that he's been out. I was glad to see him back. But Ben Souza, dude, I was saying, speaking of thorns or uh, splinters, yeah. dude, it's like the thing with Tony is, like, 
he has no problem giving you another opportunity to totally redeem yourself. And sometimes you got to know as a manager, now's not the time. Give him a day. You know, sometimes you've got to put a guy on a 10-day deal. Sometimes you got to just sit him for a couple, give him a couple days rest. I felt like Ben D'Souza was that dude at that time. Like, make having someone you're yelling fire at Tony when you're when Ben is on the when Ben is blowing things up, and then you put him back in to like make you look good, and then it makes you look worse. Like in that in those yeah. situations, it blows my mind. I don't know what Tony's fixation is with Bennett too. So we talked about it on uh, Friday. I think it was Friday that there was his ERA no is over eight. Yeah, if, I mean, last night is a little bit different of a situation. It didn't make any sense on. I can't remember what it was. Maybe Saturday for Sousa to be the first lefty out of the bullpen. It wasn't. I can't remember what day that was. All these games are running together now. Like yeah. everything's running together. I don't know what Tony's fixation is when Aaron Bummer was as hot as he was with Sousa being the first lefty out of the bullpen. I think last night was a little bit different of a case, though, with how stretched out the bullpen was and the news before the game that Liam Hendricks had some some stiffness in his arm and he wasn't available. So with Lynn only going four and a third, Sousa needed to stretch out a little bit yesterday. So I was fine yesterday with him getting an extended look and, and more innings than usual. But if Bennett Sousa continues to be the first lefty out of the pen and it's not Aaron Bummer, then we're going to have a little bit of a problem. But with how good Kendall Graveman looked yesterday, closing the game out, and Joe Kelly set to return, I think he could come back today. Oh, good. I actually check that while we're going. Like Joe Kelly, before he went down with the hammy, uh, was the best that we've seen him in a while. So when he returns, the bullpen's going to be spaced out a little bit more. And even today, everybody who pitched this weekend in in those extended games is going to be back and available today. We're still waiting on some news about Liam Hendricks. But yes, Joe Kelly expected to be activated today. And Vince Velasquez will start tomorrow as we space out and try to give – Michael Kofak a little bit of time without having go, having to go on an IL stint. Um, what, bullpen what, what, management. Go ahead. What grade would you give our our bullpen right now? And I don't mean a performance. I don't mean just like what they've done so far. I mean like, I mean I don't mean yeah. I don't. I'm just talking about like, let's say it was the beginning of the season and these were our guys in the bullpen. How would you then like? How are you feeling about our bullpen? Is what I'm really asking. I mean, if 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 you're looking day one and your bullpen is. Liam Hendricks, Kendall Graveman, Joe Kelly, Aaron Bummer, Matt Foster. That is yes. an A-level bullpen. Yes. But, but but it's an A-level bullpen because you spent A, 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 A-plus money on it. Okay. You, you, you misallocated funds on a bullpen when those funds should have been allocated toward a second baseman. That's where I'm at. Yeah. But then paper, you'd be complaining. But then you'd be complaining about our bullpen. Probably, probably, but <laughs> right. if like Garrett Crochet is not hurt, then then that's different, right? right? Then you you have a piece that you didn't have to spend money to replace. On paper, it's an A bullpen. Performance, it's probably a D or a C right now if you factor in injuries, just because y- you can't predict that stuff. But not everybody has been there. Kendall Graveman yeah. and his dumbass, not un- unvaccinated, <laughs> they had to miss two series, and and Joe Kelly can't stay healthy, but. I mean, yeah. on paper, if this bullpen is healthy, then it's a shutdown bullpen in the playoffs, and you're terrified to even get to them. On top of four guys in Kopech, Dylan Cease, Lance Lynn, and Lucas Giolito that you don't want to get anywhere near. So huh. that's that game, That's what's so frustrating about this baseball team. And you're looking for that reason as to why they're not performing to where they should. I'm not. I'm not a doctor. 
of baseball. I can't diagnose this for you and give you some kind of prescription to heal it as a fan or as the team itself. But that's the most frustrating part. On paper, preseason, yeah. majority of national publications had this team as a top three contender for, for a World Easy. Series championship. Easily. And they're 28 and 31 with a run differential of, of like negative 52. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. It, it, I was a. Uh... What do you think about team, people comparing this team to last year's Braves team? That's been that's been a big thing right now that that the Braves and and losing Acuna to to the ACL tear before like April or May or whatever it was. Yeah, that's been a hot topic for us lately. But the thing is, that Braves team had plenty in its farm system to to go ahead and plug yeah. those holes. And at this point, their run differential was like a negative two and not a negative fifty three. Yeah. So it's it completely. I, I don't like that comparison as of late. I look. I, I would look at last year's White Sox team as more comparable to Atlanta, where, you know, remember we dealt with those injuries towards the latter half of the season with Eloy and Luis Robert, and we had some of our young guys step up and, and keep us afloat for that whole time. So I, and and, I, and so I think that would probably be uh, you know a better comparison than this year. This year, you just don't have those guys stepping up. Nobody's stepping up. Who's who's gonna step up? You know what I'm saying? We you just haven't seen that. So to me, that actually makes well, me Jake upset Berger. because it's been Jake Berger oh, okay. as late, right? He's been it, playing phenomenal. Hopefully the hand's fine and we don't have to deal with a, yeah. an extended IL stint for somebody who's been swinging the hottest bat on the team. Yeah, yeah, but, but that's good though because then you keep him out of third base, <laughs> keep him out of the corner, dude. It's brutal watching him at third, man. It's, it's not tough. That bad. It's oh 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 ye of yelling at everybody because they suck. He's, You're not gonna be able to call a spade a spade and say Jake Berger no. sucks at third base. Jake Berger sucks at third base. Are you kidding me? You do not want want Jake Berger playing third base for your team for 162 games. I don't mind Jake Berger playing third base. If if he's going to hit like that, if he's going to hit like that, I don't mind. Coming from a very accomplished. Put him at first. (laughs) Put him at first. Put him at first. (laughs) There are four other guys that should be playing first. Yeah. Rotate your DHs in your first baseman to throw Jake Berger in there. Because if you're talking about run differential, you're talking about errors and people scoring, Jake Berger is at the core of that conversation. I know, Gabe, on our Odyssey 16 softball team, we stick you in the outfield because you're a liability everywhere else. But yeah, coming right. from a very accomplished 16 inch softball third baseman, I know how tough it can be over there. Accomplished? Right? <laughs> very accomplished 16 inch third baseman. Yeah. I know how, how tough it, it can be. So I sympathize and empathize with Jake Berger, and I think he's doing a fine job over there at third base. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. If he were to count up your errors, you'd be at the core of our run differential. <laughs> oh, bullshit. Bullshit. Dude, I flashed so much leather Dude. in there. Bullshit yeah, errors. I, yeah. I, I, thank God I'm behind you, is what I'll say. Thank oh, God, yeah. Thank yeah, yeah thank God. So you can just sit out there. You get no action. Oh, <laughs> uh, Dude. It's a blessing that I'm in left field for this team to catch everything that get, gets hit over there. But you yeah. know what? Neither here nor there. Jake Berger, he doesn't play left field, so we're not worried about him. But now I know why you love him, because you play third base as well. Uh, but either way, we hope that he continues on his hot streak, especially for the remainder of this Rangers series. You got the White Sox tonight over the Tigers in game two of this three-game series? Oh, yeah. I mean, they must. I mean, I, I'm taking run line, too. If you're gambling, take the run line. Sox by minus one and a half, maybe even move it to two and a half. All right, I'm with you. I will tease that up to two and a half and take the White Sox by four tonight even. Maybe I'm feeling a little confident. Maybe I'll tease it up to three and a half. If you like what you hear, remember to subscribe to the Southsider 670 podcast feed. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Southsider 670. Instagram the same. Myself, Shane underscore Reardon. Him, Chicago underscore Gabe. Send us an email with questions to Southsider670 at gmail.com. We will talk to you on Thursday night slash Friday morning. Have a wonderful rest of your week.